Welcome back to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, making my triumphant return after there was a lot of shots fired about me last week on the podcast. Uh, not that I listened to it, but other people told me <laughs> about it. Um, we welcome in uh, from Miami, Rob Cassidy. Rob, how you doing? Feeling a lot better than I was last week without you. I missed you so much. And uh, Nick Kruger, aka Krug City in Austin, Texas. Nick, how's it going? Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about how much we missed you on the podcast last week. Well, you know, either way, I'm back and better than ever. Uh, and guess what? We want to remind people: do the normal things. Go to iTunes. We, no one's leaving us iTunes reviews. I get all these people tell me, "Oh, we listen. We love the show. This, that, and the third. Leave an iTunes review. Come on, people. Hit us up, RivalsPodcast at Yahoo.com, uh, and find us on Twitter at RivalsPodcast. Let's jump right into it. Uh, this past weekend, while, while Nick was eating free hot dogs, Rob and I were out on the road grinding. Uh, we were down in Orlando for the Adidas 7-on-7, seven seven, and we walk in the door, and who do we see but the man himself, Jimbo Fisher, just uh, chilling on a lawn chair, maxing, relaxing. Rob, kind of give us some background. You you had a chance to talk to Jimbo what was he doing there? And it, it, because you know, head football coaches are not allowed to go to seven on sevens. No assistant coaches are allowed. So just kind of explain to us what he was doing there and everything like that. You're allowed to when your kid is playing seven on seven. So you know, we see it a lot at rivals camps where an assistant coach will shoehorn a kid into the camp so he can come and, and watch. And that's not what happened here. I mean, obviously, Jimbo's kid is you know a 2020 quarterback prospect from the Tallahassee area. Uh, this wasn't. This wasn't a fraud. I mean, he he plays seven on seven. He happened to be playing on that tournament. And it also happened to provide his dad, who happens to be the head coach of Florida State, an opportunity to watch the action on all of the fields. <laughs> so you love how he positioned that lawn chair, too. It, it, you know, he wasn't watching just his son's field. He was in the space between the fields. So he could watch, you know, four teams at a time. And, you know, his head was kind of on a swivel. And, you know, uh, sometimes fatherhood has its perks, I guess. And, and this was one of those perks. You you buried the lead. What was the name? What's the name of the team that uh, his son plays for? Uh, man, you're gonna get me in trouble. It is called Tight Action Sports, which is not the name of a porn porno pornographic film. Uh, it is the name of a seven on seven team from the Tallahassee area. Yeah, Again, tight, kid, tight action sports. Tight action. So uh, you know, I, I didn't really get a chance to see him play that much because I was uh, doing other duties <laughs> during the day, including getting sunburned really bad. Uh, my entire face is now peeling, which is gross. But um, it, it is an interesting. It is an interesting role that you mentioned. Uh, I think a lot of times you have you have coaches who have teenage kids who play football, and a lot of times if your if your dad's a major Division one college football coach, you you tend to be pretty good at football yourself. So you know, oftentimes I think I was in uh, New Orleans and I saw uh, Frank Wilson, the coach of. Uh, Texas San Antonio, Nick's favorite school. He was out there. Uh, he was out there watching, and he ended up uh, offering a kid and taking a commitment from a kid that was there at the tryout uh, later on in the week. So it, it is an added advantage. I've always wondered, you know, these coaches will do whatever it takes to get to get an advantage. Do you, could we see a situation where they're adopting kids to <laughs> to try to try to try to get in the door? I always wonder if that would happen. I guess that's the next, you know, that's the blindside sequel, right? Yeah, that'll be uh, the next, the next uh, Harbaugh uh, activity is, uh, yeah, adopting, adopting a kid. But it was cool. I mean, there's no question. We talked about this with the notorious alpha dog who works for another recruiting network. He was really in dad mode. I mean, you know, other kids, kids were talking to him, coming up and talk to him, taking pictures. But I mean, he was really 
you know, when he, he talked to us or when he was talking to other people, he was just like any other dad sitting there in his lawn chair talking about what the team needed to do to win the seven on seven game. I mean, he was not, he was not really recruiting. He was just hanging out. I mean, he was in his Florida state clothes, which I think some people got mad about, but what, what else do you think Jimbo owns any other clothes? I mean, we know the people who work here at rivals have, have a problem with only owning clothes that they get for free. So do we think Jimbo's any like, different? He, well, he was there in Florida State clothes, but in a tight action capacity. <laughs> right, yeah. There was a lot of tight action uh, on that team. So his son appears to be one to watch, too. I think I think we need to keep an eye on him. I think he's going to be – Jimbo has developed a lot of quarterbacks, uh, you know, tearing guys that, that into first-round picks that we've seen, you know, not have the success in the NFL once they leave him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see his son be a, be a pretty good guy, too. So – uh, moving on, topic number two. This one concerns uh, both of you guys. Kansas State. It was it was a couple months ago, I think, that Rob, you told me and Nick off the air that you had heard some rumors about Bill Snyder uh, and his health concerns and, and possibly maybe stepping away. It comes out this week that he does have uh, cancer. He's in treatment for that right now. He's already, you know, I think he might be the oldest coach in, in FBS football. Rob, first of all, give us some background on what, what you had been hearing. You went you went to Kansas State in full disclosure, and you worked in that market for a little bit. So, what what were you hearing behind the scenes? And then we'll talk to Nick about what we think. You know, he's hearing from recruits about this. Yeah, I think I heard that he had cancer three weeks ago or so. Um, you know, some of the people close to him had reached out to me and kind of asked me if I had heard anything because they'd been hearing things. Uh, and you know, the people these are people that you know I trusted as sources when I when I worked on the beat. So I knew there had to be something to it uh, when I shared it to you guys. I, I don't think that he will be stepping away before the season. I think that he's going to try to coach this one out, but I think there's definitely a secession plan in place. You know, if you think it's curious at all, you know, you put things together with Jim Levitt, the now at Oregon, the offensive coordinator out there has a clause in his contract that allows him to get out without paying a buyout. If he takes the head coaching job at Kansas state, uh, I don't think that that appeared in there for no reason. You know, that's a really weird thing to have in a contract. So I think that he's definitely part of the secession plan, whatever it is. I think that it may go into motion this year. Maybe they'll try to bring Levitt aboard in some capacity, but they'd have to pay that buyout. I don't know how a head coach and waiting situation would work if that happens. Um, but I think you'll see this. I think that, you know, it's not unreasonable to expect that this would be Bill Snyder's last year at the helm of that program. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there and, and how the recruiting changes because he is such a, you know, he's a notorious guy for recruiting his own way and it's worked for him. Uh, he doesn't necessarily go out and chase high related guys because he doesn't have to. Uh, he gets these, you know, under over or overlooked two stars out of small town Kansas and Oklahoma and some junior college. And he's been able to win with them because he is a fantastic coach. I don't think other coaches can do that. So I think they're going to have to change the way they recruit. And I think they will uh, no matter who they hire. Well, you were there. You were there when they changed coaches, um, and it was it was a disaster, right? If we if we remember how it all went down, and he had to come back. I mean, did they during that time? Did they switch their recruiting philosophy, or what? what, what I yeah, I mean, they did, and it and it worked to an extent. The problem is, you know, Ron Prince, who took over, just wasn't a very good football coach day to day. I mean, they got Josh Freeman, who might be the highest rated player Kansas State's ever landed. I know he's definitely the highest rated quarterback they've they've ever landed. Uh, they got some guys. You know, Ron Prince recruited guys that are in the NFL. Ron Prince recruited guys and coached guys that are in the NFL. He had the talent. I mean, Ron Prince had a team with Josh Freeman and Jordy Nelson on it, and he couldn't make a bowl game <laughs> with it, which, you know, it was a circus covering that team. He had some issues 
away from the field and on the field, and it just never really clicked for them. I think Kansas State fans have now convinced themselves that nobody can win there besides Bill, and I don't think that's true. Uh, I think, obviously, Bill Snyder's a special coach, but I don't think it's a place where it's impossible to win a football game at Kansas State unless you're Bill Snyder. Uh, I think they're going to have to get a young guy that's into hiring young coaches like Kansas has done even. Uh, I know you don't want to base your program after Kansas, but if you're going to recruit highly ranked players to Manhattan, Kansas, and you're going to have to to win, make no mistake, no other coach is going to go there and win with two stars. Uh, they're going to have to influx some youth and influx some different recruiting tactics that maybe Bill Snyder doesn't really like to engage in. Now, Nick, you're our resident uh, cancer survivor and expert. Um, what do you what do you what are you hearing, uh, Nick St- Krug Strong? I believe was the hashtag during that time pre Twitter. Uh, <laughs> what, what are you What are you hearing from recruits in Texas or coaches in Texas? I mean, I know Kansas State's not on the tip of the tongue, but if, is there is there any talk about this out there? Because Texas is a key state for for them uh, in recruiting. Well, Kansas State hasn't really been, you know, when you see a lot of the teams that have come through and offered recently uh, through the through the state of Texas, Kansas Kansas State hasn't been uh, one of them, at, you know, head, heading into, uh, you know, he, as we head into the 2018 cycle here uh, into spring football. But, you know, that that's not really, you know, that's just not really the flow of things. I mean, when you look at how they finished last year, I know last, you know, right, right, right before uh, signing day, you know, we had guys talking about taking official visits out there that, um, you know, Snyder and his staff weren't real high on on having come out there unless they thought that there was a real high likelihood that they were going to commit. Um, you know, they weren't going for, you know, like like Rob said, the big splash recruits. And, uh, you know, and they've again, Rob touched on how they just have a system of, of uh, you know, winning with the guys that they bring in there, identifying guys that. Um, you know, kind of probably maybe more match the personality of uh, what Snyder is trying to do on the football field rather than going out and getting the talent that everybody recognizes. Um, so, you know, so I, the, the you know, I, I, this is, this is definitely a Rob, a Rob heavy podcast in terms of his, of his expertise. You know, I saw the headline where it said that he's planning on uh, continuing to coach through this. So maybe that means, you know, that could mean one of two things, either he's uh, too stubborn to, you know, to realize when to step away or it's not as, you know, hopefully the prognosis isn't as serious as it sounds. Um, in either case, you know, it seems like it's a situation where, you know, things heading into 2018 are going to continue as, as business as usual as in terms of a, a recruiting perspective is how he handled 2017. So, um, yeah, and, you know, and why not? I think I think last time I wrote about Kansas State, I think they only had, what, like one season in the past six where they've won fewer than eight games or something like that. So, I mean, they've you know, if, if if he can if he can maintain the normalcy, uh, the level of normalcy with him and his staff, that you know, that uh, as to how he's been doing things and running the program, then you know, maybe maybe this isn't as uh, as serious as as it sounds. Look, they'll never use it against him as a as a negative recruiting thing because you know they've already used his age there. It doesn't. The thing that he's been so good at, and I think the the next coach won't be, so they're going to have to chase you know guys with with more obvious talent. Is he's just a better evaluator than we are. Um, he's able to look into the future and see the, and that's why he's been, so he was one of the first people that were successful with junior college players because he was the first person to realize, uh, you know, if I can get some 20 year olds to play against these other teams, 18 year olds, maybe that'll work out for me. Uh, but he's able to kind of look at these guys and see what they're going to be as juniors and seniors. Freshmen rarely play at Kansas state uh, for a reason, because they can't go out and get the kind of guys. They just don't have the recruiting firepower to go out and get the kind of guys that play as freshmen. Uh, so Bill looks at what these guys are going to be as seniors and has been so good at identifying that. And that's, you know, that's kind of where the success has come from, I think, is his ability to project where these guys are going to land as fourth and fifth year guys. 
Well, I, I know I ranked one player who uh, was a four-star who went out there and had no problem playing as a freshman. Uh, big shot to Duke Shelley, friend of the show. Uh, <laughs> the split opinion. Yeah, they they love him out there, I think. Yeah. Yes. I loved him in high school. You know, Split opinions. Nick liked him in high school. Split opinion now on whether uh, he's good or not. Well, I guess we'll leave it. Leave us a leave us a reply in the comments here on, on Go Power Cat, which is where we'll definitely post this uh, podcast. We'll have you do that. Uh, as we move on on our Kansas centric podcast, now that's all we talk about. We're going to talk about uh, the Jayhawks. Boy, last week you guys, I assume, spent a lot of time talking about uh, the, the takeover down there in in New Orleans. And it didn't last long. One week, our boy Jamar Chase already decommitted from Kansas, uh, four-star wide receiver. Didn't last long. Uh, and, and the other guys are still committed, so they still have several commits from the state. Uh, Chase then got offered by LSU. And it, there's just so many weird things going on down in New Orleans all the time and right now. That and that extends beyond football too, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I was down there once yeah. and somebody got killed on the highway and made me miss the first hour of a camp because they shut down the highway for a murder. It's, yeah, it's yeah there's, I, you know, I'm real. I, this may surprise some of our listeners. I tend to have some struggles with road rage incidents, uh, and when I'm in New Orleans, I mean, it's ten and two. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying one thing or doing one thing just because you know I'm nervous. But uh, especially with the football players who who ran into trouble down there on the highway. But it's 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 just so weird. I mean, we have another, we had another story this week about a coach uh, in that area banning Alabama from campus now because of the way they recruited somebody like four years ago. And, and I don't know, you know, it's my state, I guess. I mean, I, I cover it (laughs) and I really, it's tough. And so I think if you're a Kansas fan, you know, you should be happy right now, but you know, it's going to be hard to hang on to those guys, especially the guys like, you know, Devontae Jason. I talked to, uh, Corion Harris, who was somehow in Orlando, uh, at that tournament, which was weird because I went to New Orleans last weekend and he wasn't he wasn't there at a thing he was supposed to be at. We found him in Orlando. So these are kids that are going to go all over the country. They're going to visit places elsewhere, and it's going to be a fight. I think Kansas is going to have to be good on the field. You know, losing Jamar Chase it stings, but guess what? You got a, you got a, you got the buzz. I mean, and now the way a lot of these kids operate, and, and I know you guys can attest to this. Is they just hear stuff and then that's what they that's what they know now. They're like, yeah, Kansas is on the come up, and once the school's on the come up, that's all they're on care the come about. up forever. Yeah, no, that's one hundred percent true. And I always say that. I think I've said it a hundred times on this podcast. Recruiting is perception. It doesn't matter what's real and what's not. It's what people believe is real. And if people believe Kansas is on the come up because these kids were committed there, then that's real, uh, at least as far as recruiting goes. My favorite thing about talking to Harris and Orlando when we were talking to him is that the recruiting pitch for Kansas, whether they're good or bad, is always the same on those visits. Because I was talking to him about what he did up there because I'm pretty familiar with the area. And he's like, basketball game and then the Hawk. I'm like, that's kind of been the recruit gauntlet for years there. You take him to a hoops game, you take him to the Hawk, and and that's how you seal the deal in Lawrence. Yeah. What's the Hawk? Hawk? The Hawk is a uh, under a Hawk is a bar where they are not stringent on IDs. Uh, kind of close to campus, um, it's 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 a fun bar. It's it's a place that I went before I was of legal drinking age to hang out and talk to women, and I sh- could see athletes just cleaning up there. You know. <laughs> well, oh, gosh. 
<laughs> an investigation is now being launched into no. Kansas recruiting. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, I've, I've, saw, I've seen uh, once famous Jeff Boshi do a number on do a number on the hog. Okay. Man, it's it's just okay. like an athlete right. hangout. Right. <laughs> okay, so what well, Robbie's here's the here's is- the deal though. Here, Here's, here's the deal, though. If even even if we're talking about all those commitments last week, Sands, Jamar Chase, it's still a pretty good haul for him initially. I mean, you know, we saw and in Texas too. Immediately after they got those guys, they came out and offered Brennan Eagles, who's a high uh, four star with a lot, uh, perhaps even potential to be higher than that. You know, it, it wide receiver. I mean, if you know, they're, so they're they're definitely staying aggr- uh, aggressive on the offensive recruiting front and still going after you know big ticket guys. I mean, I don't think. I mean, even if we're let, let's say hypothetically all these guys stick except for Jamar Chase. I mean, that's still that's still a pretty good uh, a pretty good clip of uh, recruiting. You know, those those level guys that they came away with. Well, I think if you're doing a realistic uh, assessment here, uh, getting back to the come up statement, maybe they don't hang on to. Uh, Devontae Jason or Corey on Harris, but they, they, they're going to have that momentum to get, you know, three star players that they've, they've never gotten before. So there are, there's a lot of talent there that are guys that are, you know, even if they're taking the number 25 player in Louisiana, that's a huge upgrade over some of the players they've been taking in the past, especially when they, when they tried to go the Juco route a few years ago and, and loaded up the roster with those players. So we're going to keep talking about this, you know, Kansas fans, we're not against you. It, clarifying what Rob said, the, <laughs> the bar lets you in. You don't. You, it's an all age bar. They don't serve yeah, alcohol. It's, yeah, it's, minors. Well, they, uh, yeah, no, it's yeah, it's all so. ages. I mean, it's you can go there, whatever. I just want to take a second to like, are we really going to pearl clutch that athletes are going to bars and recruiting visits? Are we going to act? Well, no, I don't. I don't podcast? Is that what we're I'm do? not shocked by that, but I. Well, but you <laughs> followed that up by saying you went there before you were legal drinking age, implying something. I mean, there are, saying, 18 and, there are 18 and <laughs> up establishments in this world. Well, there are also, there are also places. Yeah, there are also places, yeah, where you can get in as a, as a teen, you know, the groove famously in uh, the city of Orlando where, uh, Several of uh, people that I knew would go when they were in high school and stuff like that to uh, have a dance party. So anyway, moving on, Notre Dame. Uh, I have an article on the internet website, Rivals.com today, uh, talking about what the heck's going on with the Irish. The number two recruiting class in the country right now, nine commitments, uh, two of which were broken by me, not that I'm keeping track. Um, They got two Rivals owner commits this week. I mean, I think we should talk about you know, how are they doing it? I mean, they were terrible last year. We're talking about Brian Kelly's going to get fired. They clean house on the staff. Uh, are, are you guys, have you guys been surprised with, with what they've been able to do so far? Nah, no, it itself to an extent. Right. And that's, that's exactly what, anytime you talk to a kid, that's the only, you know, that's what they say about the sales pitches. It has nothing to do with the staff, the coaches, Brian Kelly sits them down and says, Hey, listen, you know, this is, you know, this is uh, this is Notre Dame. You're a Notre Dame guy. Or you're not. You know, I was talked to uh, you know, Brock Wright, Rivals 100 tight end, uh, last year. You know, when when it seemed like things were, uh, you know, that was a pretty turbulent time uh, of Notre Dame season last year. At the point that I had talked to him, and you know, I was kind of raising those questions just to kind of you know, uh, prod and see see where he stood on things, and he hesitated, uh, not at all. You know, talking about his his commitment to Notre Dame and. You know what it meant to go there, as far as you know, being being a part of that school and that institution more so than the football team. So, if Brian Kelly gets fired, it will fall apart. Um, you know, to some extent, people are always alerted by Notre Dame. It's 
Uh, there's an alert of that, just like there's an alert of USC, just like there's an alert of Alabama, just like there's an alert of Florida State. But uh, if the program's rocky, I think you can still recruit because I think it recruits itself. There's a certain placeholder element to this, though, I think, where these kids are going to jump on and hoping for the best, right? It's an optimistic commitment. It's like, all right, I commit to Notre Dame. If everything turns around, it's cool. If not, Brian Kelly gets fired and I can look around while they look for a new coach. Uh, worst case scenario, I find somewhere else to go. Best case scenario, he stays or they bring somebody in that I also get along with. So what's really the downside of your recruit? You don't have to sign tomorrow. Um, you're still committing to a school with a great academic background and reason to believe that you know there might be brighter days ahead. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because a lot of the, you know, the, the recruiting ties that the new coordinators have have really paid off, especially with the two kids they landed from the southeast. Uh, you know, Elko came from Wake Forest and uh, they landed Derek Allen on defense and, and he mentioned him specifically as a reason. And then uh, the offensive coordinator, I believe, came from Memphis and uh, and the Memphis tie was there with the, with the offensive lineman they landed out of Tennessee. So it, it, I think that's helped. I think... You know, you said if if it's so weird because a lot of times you think, oh, the coach gets fired, it's a disaster. But we've seen over the years that, you know, when coaches get fired now, it's almost like an, an immediate recruiting bump because the kids believe, uh, you know, they believe in the come up theory, which uh, I think we need to trademark uh, because it's just it's the same thing. We saw Oregon finish number 18 in the country despite firing their coach and the, the strength coach almost killing people or whatever. And <laughs> The one coach getting a DUI and it didn't even matter. So um, I think Notre Dame, they, they do have that X factor. We, a famous uh, friend of the show, Glenn Ford, um, he told me, you know, that when he was saying a, a few of the kids are really interested in, in Notre Dame. And I was like, well, why would they go to Notre Dame? You know, they've got Alabama, Clemson, you know, all these other offers. And he said, man, it's Notre Dame, you know, the, every game's on TV. And I was like, you know, Glenn, every game's on TV for every single, you're like, what are you talking about? Right. But he said, you know, their grandparents who live in, you know, the country can turn on their TV and with no cable and still watch the games on NBC. So, well, you know, us millennial types may uh, take that for granted. There's still plenty of people who still, who still put a lot of emphasis on that NBC thing and, and the, the, the whole TV angle. So. I just think I just think it's interesting that they're rolling. It's obviously good for us, gives us stuff to talk about. But uh, I think I think they deserve some credit for the good start they're off to. Yeah, it's probably all the underage bar in town's fault, anyway. Oh so. god, yeah, I don't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> I have to talk to Ru- talk to talk to Rudy about that one. Or um, Andrew Ivans, right? No, who I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Never heard of him. He sounds like a loser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the next topic. He's definitely not an alpha dog. Um, moving on, Miami, the U. Speaking of uh, Andrew Ivans, um, who they get a huge, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they get a huge commitment uh, from Lorenzo Lingard, one of the top running backs in the country. I believe he's the number sixteen overall player. Uh, Rob's been accused of strategically making him the number 16 overall player as a, as a part of his uh, grand conspiracy against Miami. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you can talk about that, Rob, in a minute. But let's talk about him as a commit, huge commitment. They get, also get a four-star offensive lineman. And Miami, you know, every I think they have nine commits as well. Every single one of them's from the state of Florida. Are they finally starting to get back to the old state of Miami? Is that something that we're finally going to see the emphasis on uh, in this 2018 class? But you want to talk about the come up theory. It is alive and well in Coral Gables. Um, yeah, you know, 
if everything is even and Miami doesn't do something crazy like lose nine games this year, this is going to be a turning point year, it seems like. You know, they've got some some linchpins already in that class. Uh, they've got a lot of other guys that are really high on them. I think they're going to end up getting Mark Pope, who is a very, very highly thought of wide receiver uh, out of the Miami area. And this might be the year that they start keeping some of these South Florida kids home again. Uh, it just all depends on them having a good season. This is one of those things where, the, you know, the come up factor, talk about it as it is, it's fickle. It is so fickle. If you have a bad season, your come up factor is gone. <laughs> it's, so, you know, it's all about them maintaining the recruiting momentum they've built on the field. And I think that even if they can qualify for some kind of something that resembles an upper tier bowl game, they're good. They just can't come out and fall flat uh, without a quarterback. Uh, if that happens, then you're going to see some steps in the wrong direction, I think. So, I, you know, for you look at recruiting and, you know, how it matters, you know, how it ties into success on the field. There are different levels of that, uh, different programs, different situations. I think this year is a big one for Miami as far as that correlation goes. Yeah, and the offensive lineman they got, uh, where's he from, American Heritage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a program that we've seen, I don't, you know, who knows how many D1 players come out of on a yearly basis, upwards of 30 um, do they have to rebuild relationships to programs like that too? Because I mean, you know, when, I, when Al Golden was there, I mean, the amount of players they took from like New Jersey or whatever, you know, or wherever the Northeast was kind of surprising. Is, are there fences to mend in South Florida? Do, what do we think? I mean, has the, has the staff done that? I, I just haven't been following it. Super you know, I, it's, it's probably a little bit, it's probably a little bit overblown. They've got guys on the staff now that are so tied in with Miami area. You know, they've got David Cooney, who's in a support role there, who is so tied in with the kids at Miami Southridge and a lot of the seven on seven programs that that's going to help with the high school coaches. Yeah, we were uh, FaceTiming with him on, uh, <laughs> on, <yeah>. <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely. That will help. And, you know, they have guys that have those those relationships, you know, in the rump roles and, and, and these guys that have always, you know, they have uh, the guy from Gulliver Prep, whose name I don't remember, that's their recruiting coordinator there or whatever he does. Uh, so, you know, there are places in – there are balances – or I guess there are there are people in place uh, to kind of make sure those relationships are, are strong. And I don't think that's as big of a problem as people want it to be. But no matter who they get, I'm just going to probably make them a three-star anyway, even if they're supposed to be a five-star because that's what I do to Miami, right? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, either <laughs> – yeah, either way, you know – I really do want to so read it. you the post if I can find it of the guy that suggested that I had strategically known that Lorenzo Lingard was going to commit to Miami months ago and intentionally made him the highest four-star in the country just to tease them – uh, just to tease fans on a message board with being so close to landing a five star, and this was not said in jest. This guy had this whole theory cooked up that I was trolling them by making him the last four star. <laughs> it was really worth, something worth noting that Lingard is from uh, the Daytona Beach area, which is pretty far from Miami. And we did those rankings in November, so that was a long con by you for sure. If you could pull that off, um, I, I think it's interesting because you mentioned Mark Pope. Uh, Nick has mentioned some other players. I really think. That there are, I mean, there are a lot of guys that we're thinking have five star potential at this point. Um, I, you know, I'm thinking of a lot of players. You know, and, and we're going to have to wait and see. We're doing the rankings next week a little bit, uh, but we haven't seen a ton of the guys, and then there won't be a ton of moves there. The camp season is really where we, you know, kind of separate the the fives from the fours and get a chance to see people go head to head. I mean, Pope was really impressive this past weekend at the the seven on seven. I mean, lighting up Midwest boom uh, on a regular basis. There, you know, the the unquestioned best seven on seven team in the country now. 
Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. And unless Pope uh, reclassifies and enrolls in college by the by September, which uh, given his trajectory of going from the eighth grade to to a junior in high school, <laughs> like a year, was <laughs> really impressive. So uh, that's so something anyway. people don't really understand. I think unless they are like plugged into the recruiting scene in South Florida, just how quickly, how often that happens. It's like, hey. I'm in eighth grade. And then two years later, he's like, hey, I'm graduating. <laughs> what? I reclassified yeah. twice. Okay. Yeah. So we saw James Cook do the same thing at Florida State, something that is a basketball thing that, that is uh, making its way to football. So great job by Miami. You can read that article on Rivals.com where we talk about Notre Dame in Miami uh, and everything like that. So let's jump in now. I While you guys were, uh, were eating free hot dogs, I was recording an interview with uh, Dave Gerson, the <laughs> – the specialist with advanced graphics, aka swag coordinator uh, at the University of Temple. We talked about, uh, you know, that title. I believe the word "hip" was mentioned a time or two. So uh, you, you can hear about, you know, the whole behind-the-scenes world of making uh, custom edits uh, and how it affects recruiting. So, uh, me, take it away. Talk to Dave. All right, we welcome into the show uh, Dave Gerson, the uh, new specialist with advanced graphics at Temple University, also known as the Swag Coordinator. Uh, Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me. Oh, no, thanks for coming on, especially on such short notice. Um, boy, it's been a big week for you with uh, the new job title and all the, the national media attention. Just kind of give us a, an idea of what it was like for you, you know, getting a promotion, first of all, and then, and then for it to be uh, you know, out there in the, in the national media at some level. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's definitely been a whirlwind of events and emotions and all. It's been pretty, pretty incredible. Um, long story short, I, I had gotten wind from Coach Collins that we were going to do something unique. He's real innovative. That's his style. Um, you know, the can of swag aspect and all. Um, he's hip. He's relatable. And so he wanted to do something that's different, but something that was totally, uh, encompassing of what he wants to build here with the program. And really the direction that college football is going in. So I knew about it. Uh, and the press release came out, thought it was pretty cool. Some friends reached out to me. And then as soon as the ESPN alert goes out, then anybody who's anybody starts hitting me up and people I haven't talked to in years from, from undergrad and all hit me up. And it was very, very cool. And, you know, I'm just a guy, but, um, it made me feel pretty good about myself. It's been great. So, so for those of you who don't who don't really know, I mean, what's I mean, obviously the re- the recruiting junkies who really listen to our podcast kind of know, but there's a, some casual fans as well. Give give us some insight into I, I guess what your main objective is. I mean, and 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 where it comes from. I mean, you're you're making graphics for for the school for for recruiting purposes, but you know, how, how do you guys decide on on which kids you're targeting? How are you reaching out to them, or the coaches doing it, or you know, just kind of give us a rundown of of how something like that works, uh, just from a workflow standpoint. Sure. So uh, it's, it's a pretty uh, pretty collaborative effort at the end of the day. Uh, basically, what I do is, as as the title says, specialist with advanced graphics. There's plenty pr- plenty of graphic creating, um, but but all in all, it's a major social media effort in, in every which way and form because that's the way that we're going. It's, you know, social media, graphics, visual visual production is, is the way to connect with prospective players and kids, fans. Uh, you know, nowadays, so. So basically, you know, it, it comes from the, the genius that is Jeff Collins. We start there. Uh, we collaborate. We talk about different concepts. And my, my background at Temple certainly plays a role because I, I've grown up around here. I've been involved in the 
in the uh, program for quite a while. And, you know, I know the ins and outs and, and he's definitely totally in on, on the way that we want to build this program, how it works here and, and how we can best relate and, and relay Temple to these guys. So, you know, it, at the end of the day, the evaluation stage and all it is what it is. And we go from there. And, and um, the major point of this, though, is to really put Temple's name on the map. And we, we consider this program to be a top 25 program. It should be treated as such. And so any which way that I can, I can assist in getting the, the Temple brand and the Temple name out there, we're going to do. Is this something that you guys have heard back from, I mean, with the kids who have eventually signed with the school that, that you guys, you know, showing them love, as they say, with those custom graphics and stuff has made an impact on recruiting? Do you think that's something uh, that, that, that can be tangibly measured or that you guys can really point to and say this, this really helped us with, you know, this certain player? Well, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's human nature that, that people like to be or love to be loved. And uh, the, what we're trying to do here is create a, you know, a story per se and, and show them, you know, we, we love you and not just that, but, but we love you here. And, and we want to show you in every which way form, whether it's, you know, putting a guy on campus or putting a guy in a uniform, you know, we want you to visualize what it would be like to be part of Temple football. Uh, and, and we definitely can, can feel that, you know, you, you see when guys come on visits, when they throw the pads on, they put the gloves on, you know, they, they feel part of something, and when you got your guys rallying around them, really feeling it too, it's something special. And so, any any other visual aspect uh, in which we can engage guys and do that, it's only a plus and a positive thing. And and uh, at the end, when some of these guys find out that it, that it's me behind the behind the scenes doing it. You know, it, it makes them, they enjoy it even more. And obviously I get a kick out of it myself. You kind of worked yourself up, uh, you know, according to the bio I saw from, from, you know, being a student assistant to, to video assistant and a few other, few other roles. Um, during that time, you've obviously seen the recruiting process behind the scenes, you know, just, just from your personal opinion, how much do you think it's changed? I mean, and how much, you know, do coaches, staffs more importantly have to switch the way they do things or, you know, support staffs like you guys, how much have you had to change and kind of evolve with the times to make sure that, you know, maybe you're getting that 1% more than, than another school that you're, you're fighting with a kid for. Uh, so, so I've had the pleasure of working under at least three coaching staffs during my tenure at Temple. So I've seen a lot of different um, personalities, ways in which people use social media technology for that matter. So you know, I know it varies. But I, I know also that as we move forward with the advancements and all, we, we know that it, this is the direction that it's headed in. And in order for teams, just like in everyday life, in order for businesses to keep up, you've got to have the state-of-the-art technology and abilities and uh, to be able to, to compete. So that's the same with, with coaches and, and the way in which they communicate with players, the relationships and also. So it's, it's amazing to see guys, you know, from the beginning who, who aren't really familiar with technology, guys who still have flip phones and don't even know how to work the flip phone to being able to shoot out a tweet to somebody and DM somebody. It, just in a few years, uh, I've seen the, the remarkable changes with that. And, and like I said, I can't stress it enough. It's imperative because the way in which we garner relationships with different people has changed. And, th and this is where it's at. So if you want to compete, especially at a program like this, where, where we plan on competing with the, the top dogs, um, you've got to you've got to attack it every which way, the same manner, if not better, uh, and find an edge. And uh, your your coaching staff is a, a huge part of that. So uh, I also think that 
social media is another opportunity for people to show their personality. So while we're used to the face-to-face interaction, you know, people are going towards having more texting conversations, tweeting conversations, and, and you can really um, transform or at least extend your personality to that. And, and um, you know, it can hurt you if you don't do it the right way, but, but these guys have a firm grasp of it. We have a, we have a vision to sell and the way we want to do it, and uh, we're, we're using it for all positive uh, reasons. You sound a little bit like my boss who reminds me all the time that social media can, if I say the wrong thing, can get me in trouble since I have a little bit of a rep for uh, being kind of uh, a smart aleck on Twitter sometimes. Um, so so uh, speaking of which, do you ever look, you know, like I said, you do, you've do you done some graphic stuff. It's part of your job. Do you ever see a, a kid tweet out another school's graphic and, and maybe you get a chuckle out of how bad it is? I mean, is that something that, that you're paying attention to, what other schools are doing? Because I know we've seen some that are you know major programs that are we think of you know blue bloods or whatever and sometimes they send these kids uh you know edits or whatever and they're they're below you know below par so have you seen any of those where where you get a chuckle or anything like that uh, well yeah we i mean we follow we a lot of programs obviously are following the same kids and so we we everybody sees everybody's work and and sure maybe on a personal note someone might see someone something i do and find an error in it or find it find it amusing. I, I hope not. But, but at the same time, I, you know, I try and look at other people's work and just get another, try, try and build on my own work. Not, not in the sense that I want to take some of these ideas, but what, what's something that we're missing that we can, we can um, sort of promote here at Temple. You know, everybody's got the same sort of ideas, you know, um, it's promoting the school itself, promoting the, uh, the opportunity after school, the ability to play immediately, the ability to play in the NFL, things like that. But how can we differentiate Temple? Uh, and, and another cool thing is, you know, there's plenty of concepts. That, and that, what makes us all unique is that we have different talents and tastes and uh, and visuals on how we go about it. So it's it, it's pretty common for me to see something cool that another school might do. I'm like, you know what, how can we put our spin on that or how, how can we improve on that or take it to another level? But it, it's all about making Temple stand out and my school stand out. Um, but, but most of the time, you know, the, the things that I see, are, there's some pretty impressive things out there that, I, you know, I sit back and I'm like, how, how did I not come up with that? Or how couldn't I have thought of that? And, and I, you know, there's plenty of people still out there I don't think I can hold a candle to, but, I, you know, it's all a, it's all a learning process and it's um, doing what I can you know, with what I know, what I want to know to, to really showcase Temple pro, uh, Temple's program. So now that you're the, uh, the the swag coordinator, I mean, do you have to get new clothes? I mean, what <laughs> what comes with that? Do you have to start dressing cooler. What's what's uh, what's the plan on that front? Well, you know, I think we got a pretty good gig here in terms of uh, clothing with Under Armour and all. And I've I've got like seven years of it just from being around the program. Uh, I do I do have to step my game up. Coach wanted me to. Uh, I, I have a faux hawk. I'm sure you've seen in in the uh, pictures. So he wanted me to have that on point. I, I want to look crisp. I want to. But I hope my personality speaks for because I think I'm pretty relatable with these guys, and uh, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping that that makes up for maybe some of the the, the dressing that I, I don't do in terms of quote unquote swag. <laughs> All right, Dave. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. Thanks a lot, man. And we'll be uh, we'll be looking for those those edits on Twitter. We know the kids love them, especially uh, the kids down in Florida. They 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 have that swag and they need those those graphics if they're going to come up north to Temple. So keep up the good work. No doubt. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. 
All right. Boy, what a great interview and such a charming host. Uh, thanks to the swag director, the king of swag, I think is what we were calling him, uh, for joining us. And I hope, I hope you found it, uh, informative at least. So, sure sounds the part. Yeah. He definitely, he definitely sounds like he's got swag, uh, for days. So big shout to him. Thanks for joining us. Now it's time for tweet of the week. Don't stop tweeting me. Man, you chicken. Uh, boy, I got a couple of nominees here, guys. So we're going to start out with number one. It was Valentine's Day this past week, as you know. And uh, our boy DeAndre Furby, former two-star, now at Western Kentucky, uh, probably already outplayed his ranking there. And he tweets out, you know, because I, I, I'm sure you guys saw this on your Twitter feeds, a lot of uh, the players we follow were tweeting out pictures of them and their girlfriends on Valentine's Day, you know, flowers, uh, things of that nature. And our boy DeAndre just said it real simple and said, some of y'all girlfriends ugly. <laughs> so, you know, guess what? Uh, you know, sometimes the truth hurts. So that got 47 retweets and 160 likes. So uh, I need to sit down with the, I need to sit down with the Andre and have a serious conversation about microaggressions and, and objectifying women. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was definitely a shots fired. And then a uh, friend of the show. I'm sure they have t- hearts of gold, though. Yeah, exactly. Big time friend of the show, Quincy Avery. Uh, also friends with uh, my new personal trainer, Mr. Shut Up and Train. Uh, you know, he's constantly going back and forth with that coach at Duke that uh, you guys ripped last week, who we always are making fun hey, we of. Didn't, we didn't rip him. All right. We just kind of made fun of him. <laughs> Well, Quincy, we're, tr- we're trying to nudge him in the right direction towards you know generational. Basically, like, look, it's it's Nick Kruger and Rob Cassidy stop being such a dweeb service, and we're here helping. We're here to help. Well, so so Quincy really hates him, or you know, likes to uh, call him out for the same reason that you guys do. Uh, I don't want to put words in Quincy's mouth, but uh, anyway, so he tweets on February thirteenth. <laughs> I had no idea that so many football players uh, pee themselves during games. Is this a new thing, or was I just out of the loop? <laughs> hold on who tweeted I, that I, uh, I hold on wait a minute wait, i remember wait, hearing what no no i remember hearing an interview uh some time ago uh who, who's the guy who's the linebacker from florida is it Ch- channing crowder was his name yeah or, yeah do you remember what i'm crowder. talking about yeah he's he a famously he famously had a interview statement where he he talked uh about how frequently he you know uh relieved himself in practice or game uh sessions yeah, all those clothes are getting thrown in the laundry right after the game anyway. Who cares? Yeah, I was going to say, what's the argument against it? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you've ever peed your pants or not before, Rob, but, uh, you know, if you're, you're trying to walk around like, you know, it's it causes problems. Uh, so, I, I, I don't know. I never did it uh, during my football football days, but, you know, the pants are a lot tighter now, too, so maybe that has something to do with it. Trying to get those things on and off is a real is a real pain in the tuchus, but... Uh, Anyway, I thought that was funny. It made me laugh when I read it. So, anyway, big shout to Quincy. Big shout to Mr. Shut Up and Train, <laughs> who Nick and I famously met at Quincy's event. Now let's move on, boys. It's rants and recommendations time. We got uh, we got all kinds of stuff to talk about. Uh, <laughs> who is Nick, we? I don't have it. anything. Oh, you guys have it. All right. Well, well, Nick, is this rant of yours new on the sheet here? Yeah, it's new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so. So let's let's you know I'll do I'll go I'll do a uh, recommendation first. I've been traveling you know across the country coast to coast as I've been known to do, and uh, I'll tell you what's becoming really popular. And I, I'm sure if I went to Oregon the next time I go to Oregon I'll really find out is this uh, 
this it's called bow i believe rob you know what i'm talking about right 100 percent. you and i had some uh, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago right yeah what is it what, nick i'm sure you've had it too um Huffington Post has an article about it. That's the best sandwich you've never tried. Basically, it's like soft. What? I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. It's like it's soft, soft bread. It's like a Asian delicacy sandwich. It's like a soft dough. Um, right. I think it might be Korean food. I'm not exactly sure, but whatever it is, it's generally pork on the inside. We had some at the Yahoo office in New York that was uh, chicken. And I tell you what, for, 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 for my money, it doesn't get much better than that. I've been eating it. I've had it three times now in the past month, and uh, that, that trend is going to continue. So uh, if you can find yourself some bao, Google it, find a restaurant. I know I, I walked by a restaurant in Orlando the last time I was there uh, when I was headed somewhere else. So there's definitely options. I will be having the plenty of it when I travel out to the West Coast for the uh, Rivals Camp Series. Uh, and so so try it. Highly recommended. Two thumbs up for me. So, Nick, you got something to complain about now, which I'm interested to hear. As you guys, as you guys both know, you know, as, as I work, I like to have a little bit of white noise while I'm <clears throat> while I'm working, video editing, uh, various things. So, I'm a big fan of uh, daytime television uh, shows like The People's Court, Maury, of course, uh, who I'm outspokenly, you know, a renowned fan of. Uh, but, but anyway, so so yesterday morning. Um, you know, I, I I was up early working, trying to you know trying to get our invites straight for the upcoming uh, three stripe camp series, and you know a couple of a couple of stories as well, and you know just trying to not you know knock some of that stuff out. Couldn't really find anything on television. Uh, you, you know, typically I might try and listen to you know maybe Dan Patrick does a simulcast or whatever. For some for some reason, the NBC Sports Network that maybe he's on vacation or something. They were showing like auto auctions. Uh, so I, I was really scraping the bottom of the barrel just for, you know, just for something just to, you know, be relatively distracting. And uh, so I flipped over to the MLB network um, and they have their version of a morning show. Uh, you know, all the all these sports networks do now. And uh, I, I don't know who the I mean, Matt Vaskersian is one of them. Notable heel from the XFL documentary. Uh as well as uh, Harold Reynolds, who uh, you know I I enjoyed from the ESPN days, but Harold uh, Reynolds, n- notable but, heel from life. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, baseball fans hate Harold Reynolds, but he's from. Oregon, no, I mean, I he's like a noted like sexual harasser and got fired from ESPN for being a heel. Well. Allegedly. And you know what's funny about Allegedly. what's funny, yeah. But what's funny about that is okay. And, the, and now we're going completely off from where I was trying to go with this. But but during during the period of time that I was watching, they started talking about I guess Derek Jeter and his his significant other are having a baby soon, and he and like so they brought that up as like a quick you know we're flying through headlines and he was about to say and he and he was like I got something to say about that and everybody was like you could you could tell everybody was. Trying, like instantly on pins and needles because he was about to make a comment about a woman. Gasp. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, of course, Matt Vaskersian, who, you know, we remember from aforementioned documentary, has zero, zero chill when it comes to, you know, any sort of uh, mention about women or, you know, an aesthetics. Uh, but, but anyway, so, but going past that, here's, here's my, here's my rant. And, and th- this show was guilty of it. The uh, NBA on TNT show that everybody loves with Shaq and Chuck and, you know, and Ernie. We're, we've really gone overboard with the coming out of a commercial break or something. We'll do like a like a zany Photoshop of one of the hosts doing something, or uh, and we're all supposed to think it's hilarious. and And I suppose we're probably guilty on uh, about this on like an audio level on this podcast. But 
you know, I, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over the, uh, the this one of the co-hosts who I can't remember his name and I don't know who he is, and that's just because I don't watch MLB Network. You know, they came out of the break and they had, they had him for some reason they had him with a beard and a pointy mustache, and they were just laughing and laughing and laughing <laughs> about it. It was so funny, and you know, and I. <laughs> And so not only so so then my rant extends from not only that segment and that trend on these shows and how we're all supposed to think that's funny uh, to you know I was already I was already upset about not having something to watch to begin with and this is what I was forced to choke down as I was working so all, I was getting it from all sides on things that weren't <laughs> particularly pleasant to me not a good way to start off my day. Well, I believe I had told you to watch Roast Battle, and you know that could have solved all your problems. Oh, you that's right. Hold on, that knowing nothing about right. that, is this a a show about people making fun of each other, roasting each other, or b a show about people cooking roasts in like a cookoff? It, it's our boy Jeff Ross, the Roastmaster General, uh, and it's basically like a rap battle, except it's two people, two comedians on stage, four rounds. They each get to tell one joke and go back and forth, and then judges decide who wins, and it's like a sixteen-person bracket. So uh, we gotta put you. We gotta put you and Luke Stampini in this bracket. Yeah, I don't know. I think I won the roast battle we had on uh, on Saturday. I mean, I don't know that you you and you and uh, Ivans would be the judges, but I believe the final joke I had was a knockout. It was yeah, so, it was big uh, time. So anyway, um, you know, big shot to all the alpha dogs out there listening. I think that wraps it up for us. Uh, relatively, well, I guess it was. A, Yo, I never, a, I never got my ranter recommendation. I got skipped. Well, you didn't. Well, you yes, didn't put it on the sheet. <laughs> Stunning. Yeah, you didn't put put it on the sheet. Hold on, I'm the only one that usually updates the sheet. This week, I did not put anything on the sheet. Oh I don't, my! <laughs> I really don't have anything except to say, like, <laughs> we, uh, as always, can we? We need to put a moratorium on uh, on referring to anybody as a stud unless we're talking about horses uh, i've been kind of beating this drum for years now but it's getting real bad um it's embarrassing don't embarrass yourself i guess alpha dog is the alpha dog is the new stud right yeah yeah alpha dog is alpha dog. even though you know i did read an article on business insider that said alpha dog the alpha dog theory in the wild is not true which uh guess what business insider get out of here that was that ain't true uh only a non-alpha dog would write an article like that. So, Beta um, cat. Yeah, shots fired at them, too. Take that business insider. All you do is aggregate other people's content. So, anyway, that wraps it up for us. Uh, good episode this week, boys. We, we continue to roll along. We finally got into a good schedule. This week, we'll all be... Nick, you going on the road? Right, what do you got going on? Uh, I, I, my first men's league soccer game is this Sunday, but the forecast is not looking strong, so I don't know. We'll see. Okay, so so Nick's out. Rob, you're off this weekend, correct? Yeah, I you know I just be studding around doing stud things at home. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'll be headed to Alabama, so maybe I can try to get a get an alpha dog to come on the podcast and see if uh, if uh, we get another interview. So we'll be back next week. If you want to hear anything from us, please let us know. Remember to subscribe on iTunes. And uh, hit up our boy M. Deuce on SoundCloud. Uh, boy, he put up a new beat the other night that was some type of remix with a Phil Collins song. You want to talk about the people going crazy on Facebook? Uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get him to send that. I don't know if we can use that because of the Phil Collins licensing issue. But anyway, hit up M. Deuce. The song's on his social media. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>